Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan presents Mile High Hoops with Zach By. What is up and welcome to another edition of the Mile High Hoops podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach By, And as always, I appreciate you spending a sliver of your busy day with me here on the podcast. Reacting to a Game 1 blowout. In the Western Conference semifinals, 122-105, Phoenix has their way there in the desert, or the valley, as they call it. Um, I'm going to be honest. Well, I have a handful of thoughts here. I have a handful of thoughts. First and foremost, I am not at all surprised that the Nuggets are down 0-1 in a series. This is kind of... The um, way of the world. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west and water's wet and the Nuggets uh, lose game one of seven game series. I mean, this is more oftentimes the case than uh, than the opposite. So I'm not surprised. <clears throat> in fact, um, I had on the air on Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan here in Denver, uh, I had... Uh, the Suns, I, I made a prediction for the series. <clears throat> I said this is going to be a very, very, very tight series. Not just game by game uh, in terms of the total of games won, but uh, the structure of the games. I think this is going to be really, really tight. And my prediction was that there, there's going to be one game. Well, this is probably not going to be true. Um, but I, I said there's going to be one game that's going to be decided by double figures. Every other game will be a single-digit contest. And the one game that it will be double figures, it'll be Phoenix over Denver in a big way, game one. So that was my, um, I don't know if you want to call it a bold prediction, but it certainly was my prediction. And uh, it came to fruition, unfortunately. I was hoping I was wrong and had my fingers crossed that um, that, that was the case. But uh, it wasn't. It was a smack fest uh, at the end of the day. The, the, the final score says it was a smack fest. A lot of the substance within the game uh, was to the contrary. You know, Denver had a really nice lead, uh, a good cushion there. Uh, at one point, up by double figures in the second half, in that, in that third. Um, and then there was this stretch of time that went dis- uh, disastrously uh, for the Nuggets. There was, I mean... <clears throat> All types of different ways that you can look at the run. I think it was a 25-7 to Suns run to end the third. Um, you're talking about like the last eight minutes of that third quarter being a 19-point swing. The Nuggets went from being up 10 to down 9, and it was such a, such a massive uh, gut punch. You know, the way that it felt, like that equity built up and then just all taken away in just a couple minutes. <clears throat> And uh, look, uh, Phoenix knocked down shots. Uh, the Nuggets couldn't really uh, regain their balance after that flurry. And, um, you know, let me just start here uh, uh, in in the list of thoughts. Is that uh, I thought Nikola Jokic's second half was one of the most underwhelming halves of basketball that mattered that I can remember seeing. You could probably find one that had the same sort of a tone to it. But I thought Jokic there in the second half, so much of this team, nearly all of it, uh, starts and ends with Nikola Jokic, right? And I saw a guy, I don't know if it was fatigue, and you can certainly um, uh, hypothesize that it was fatigue, uh, but but and he looked tired, but he was settling 
possession after possession. Didn't matter if you were talking about <clears throat> uh, Jokic from three and uh, settling out of a possession uh, from distance. Uh, but more oftentimes than not, forget the threes aside because I can't really remember one that was over the top bad. They're, if they're open, they're open. You got to take them, right? And he took five of them. So, you know, n- not the end of the world. But it was the possessions in which that I thought he could have been more aggressive and really drove home um, on DeAndre Ayton. And, you know, there was a lot of step backs, a lot of Sambor shuffles. <clears throat> and quite frankly, guys, just a lot of missed, uh, missed shots, you know, that we're so used to that feathery touch around the basket for Jokic. To see him on a night where he shoots under 50%, like for most players, you go 10 for 23, that's pretty darn good, right? <clears throat> Not bad. For Jokic, it felt different because of what we're so accustomed to seeing from him. Um, to seeing him miss bunnies um, fairly regularly uh, in game one was unusual. You know, those, those, uh, those uh, touch putbacks. Uh, the big tipper, right? That's that's what we call them. Um, it just is just lacking. You know, there's no other way around it. And that was different to see. You know, uh, he finishes with a minus 13. He had 22 points, nine rebounds, three assists. But if I'm not mistaken, I have it here in my notes, 16 of those 22 came in the first half. In the first half, man, in the first half, I, I thought it was going to be one of these, you know, 34-point games uh, from Nikola. He just looked comfortable. He looked like he was in a flow was balanced. And then in the second half, it just looked like a different guy. Um, So that's what it is. Same sort of thing with Michael Porter Jr. In the first half, MPJ looked like he was in a rhythm. You know, knocking down shots, knocking down threes. Like, a couple of them, you know, looked off balance. And, you know, the old, uh, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage, on balance, off balance, I'm better than you are, yeah. Um... Not so much in the second half. You know, MPJ was a, non, a non-factor uh, in the second half and uh, ultimately was uh, put on the bench. You know, my one thing with Michael Porter Jr. that uh, uh, maybe right at the top of my criticisms for MPJ in Game 1 is not so much offensively, although that is an issue. You know, he can't really create his own shot on a regular basis anyway. Um, especially here in these playoffs, as the defense is just totally ratcheted up. It's it's a, just a different animal than uh, in the regular season. And he's having a, a tough time in that regard in terms of creating his own shot. <clears throat> but defensively, you know, obviously he's got a lot of room to grow in that department. But when you're in a playoff game and you have a guy like uh, Mikel Bridges who – Man, I just can't say enough about that kid. I am such a big fan of Mikel Bridges' game. All right, Obviously, I don't want him to kill the Nuggets the way that he did in Game 1, where he goes for 23 points, 4 of 8 from 3, 8 of 12 from the field. I mean, he was awesome. And I have a propensity to you know, root for Villanova guys. <clears throat> uh, so, And he was great. But when, 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 when Brit, going back to MPJ, when Bridges has it going, and he's just lights out your closeouts. First of all, this goes without saying, even if the guy is unconscious the way that Bridges was, but certainly more so if the guy's going nuts, you cannot be standing up straight on the catch. So when Bridges catches it on the perimeter 
MPJ and and Matt Moore retweeted. I f- I forget who had the initial vi- video, but he retweeted the video. It was like MPJ is standing up straight on the on the bridge's catch, and it's like, dude, he's he just made a couple threes. But regardless, even if he hadn't, he's rising up. You got to close out with a sense of urgency, and I didn't see that at all. And I'm sure that pissed off Mike Malone and had uh, or was a contributing factor into him not uh, finishing the game. And ultimately, none of the starters uh, finished the game. You know, it was, um, it was uh, you know, the deep reserves that finished that one up because that was, um, it was not uh, an attainable goal anymore. You know, it was a blowout. So um, a couple more thoughts here. You know, Chris Paul, I mean, he's the real deal, guys. I mean, this is, this is, he's not hurt. He, he might be banged up. He's not hurt. He's not injured, okay? He's got, you know, a little something in his shoulder. And I said this on the air on the radio show. I knew this was not going to be a storyline when I saw that he was practicing before the series. If this is a real sensitive issue, that guy's not practicing. He's resting. And when I saw that, I said, huh. And then, you know, yeah, he got bang, a bump there in the first quarter and he grimaced a little bit. But, I mean, he was sensational. What, you, know, you know, what do you say? He was 8 for 14, you know, directing traffic, had 11 assists, just one turnover. It was a great performance. Just great. 21 points. I mean, he was great. Chris Paul was great, and he was knocking down threes. And, you know, traditionally, Chris Paul doesn't want to uh, take a bunch of threes. And he didn't, he didn't take a bunch. He took three of them, but he made two of them. And um, he is, as Paul Klee called him uh, on the most recent episode when we were previewing uh, this first-round series, uh, he's a traffic cop. And it's a perfect way to describe him. He really directs traffic um, like a puppet master. And yesterday was no different. He had it going. And I mean, he's somehow like in year 16, you know, 11 all-star games later, the guy's still in his prime. And he was, I thought, the best player uh, on the floor uh, for either team in game one. So we'll see if that uh, trend continues. Hopefully not. Uh, But he had it going there, man. A couple big time shots there in that second half that really you know, the reality of the game one loss was coming into focus as some of those shots were going down. They were they were just big time. Chris Paul's great. And guys, the Suns are great. Like, the, the, the Suns are awesome. There is a reason they were the two seed. There's a reason they have home court advantage. But on a night like yesterday where I think everyone um, that really played um, knocked down a, a three or more. I mean, a Crowder had three threes. A Bridges had four threes. Chris Paul had a couple threes. A Devin Booker, um, you know, and probably only made one uh, three, uh, and was really held in check for on the whole. He had moments, you know, the and one three, and had some good moments where he beat really good defense. Um, but uh, Booker, for if you, if I told you that Booker was going to finish with twenty one, you probably would have signed up for that, right? I mean, we we all would. And some of that had to do with the defense of Aaron Gordon, who I thought did a really good job, especially there in that first half against Book. Um, but in addition to the starters, you know, you had uh, Torrey Craig hit multiple threes. Uh, Cam- Campaign hit a three. So, <clears throat> you know, they, they were just, they were more uh, efficient from distance. And, you know, meanwhile, the Nuggets on the other side uh, took 40 threes. 40. And, you know, they made 14 uh, but 40 was too much considering the temperature of the basketball game. For the Nuggets to take six free throws 
And then juxtapose that with the 43s. Like, I'm really not trying to hear about the free throw dis- differential uh, on a game uh, like like game one. I'm just you know, just not really interested. You know, could there have been a whistle or two on, on Jokic there? Um, yeah, probably. But on the whole, like when you take 43s and, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I'm, your, your eyes can tell you the story. There was just not uh, the aggressive nature that was required. Um, you know, because oftentimes the, the, the free throw total in terms of attempts, it's indicative of your level of assertion. I've said that for years now on this podcast, and you guys already know that to be true. So when you take six free throws and you took 43s, I'm really not going to spend a lot of time dwelling on the turnover differential. That's all. Uh, so hopefully that changes in game two, and I assume uh, that it will. Um, okay, I thought uh, Faku Campazo made a positive impact. Uh, he wasn't... Um, you know, uh, the best player on the floor or anything, and he's probably never going to be, but I thought in his 36 minutes he was a positive force despite his plus-minus finishes with 14 points. He was 5-for-9 from the field. He hit three threes, although at certain points in that game it looked like he didn't want to shoot, airballed the three, in fact, and then caught it on the next possession and had, you know, hesitated and uh, gave it up for a worse shot, and that didn't work out. So, you know, it wasn't perfect, but uh, six assists, um, had a two to one turnover um, uh, uh, assist to turnover differential. Had a couple steals that were impactful. Uh, Austin Rivers did not play well. You know, um, he just he just didn't have it. Uh, two for seven from the field. Uh, had a had a handful of assists, uh, but I just didn't I didn't feel Austin uh, as much. Uh, and Monte Morris. Whoo. After being the unsung hero, um, and I shouldn't even say unsung, he got a lot of credit, a lot of credit for how he performed uh, in that first round series, as he should. Um, in our conversation with uh, Nuggets team president Tim Connolly, I called him the unsung MVP uh, of that first round series. And if you haven't heard that conversation, it's on the most recent previous uh, episode of the Mile High Hoops podcast. We lifted the conversation that we had on the air on the radio show and put it on the back end of the conversation that I had with Paul Klee. Uh, but Monty was great. Like, we know that, right? 22 points in Game 6 versus the Blazers. That was on the heels of of 28 uh, in Game 5. Three other games in addition to those two games in that first-round series. He was in double figures. I just thought he was sensational. But as good as he was in that first-round series, that was as bad as he was in the first game of Round 2. Just two points. He was 1-10 of 10 from the field, 0-4 from 3. Had really good looks. Now, now I'm not going to take away his prowess uh, passing the basketball. He had six assists. I thought he was you know, his normal self in that regard. But um, the Nuggets need some firepower. And Monte Morris is one of the guys on this team that can provide a semblance of that. And he just uh, came up empty-handed there uh, in game one. And he's probably, knowing Monte Morris, he's probably beating himself up over it. He was a minus 28 when he was on the floor. Guys, he only played 23 minutes. To be a minus 28 in 23 minutes, whew, you are on the brunt end of a beatdown. And uh, yeah, uh, that's that, that's exactly what it was. So... We'll see how he responds um, in Game 2. Jermichael Green, I thought, made a positive impact. Uh, Knocked down a couple threes. Had a put-back jam that was, you know, uh, impressive. Uh, Paul Millsap, I thought, was uh, pretty good, too. He knocked down a three. Had that um, off-balance, no-business angle of an and-one. You know, (laughs) here's the thing, guys. Here's the thing. I want to make sure I say this here. That... 
yes, the final score says 122-105, but there was a lot of substance, a lot of meat in that basketball game that is actually encouraging uh, for the Denver Nuggets. And like I said, I, I, I had the Suns winning this one. I'm not going to dwell on the final score. I think the Nuggets are going to go in there and win game two and get a split. We have to be careful, and we, we talked about this last round, and I have to remind myself of it too, so I'm not, I'm not saying, oh, it's, it's you and not me. I, I get caught up in it too. We have a tendency because these games are so important. <clears throat> these games are so important. We have a tendency to make these games uh, referendums of the series. And I get why we do it. It's human nature. But, and I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I actually feel pretty good. I feel pretty good about game two. I, I, I didn't see anything in game one. Look, like, look, the Suns, like I said, the Suns are a really good team. The Nuggets got beat by a really good team. But they got beat on a night where Michael Porter Jr. Uh, in the second half was a non-factor. Nikola Jokic played one of the most underwhelming second halves that I've seen. Austin Rivers was a total non-factor. And Monty Morris, um, it might have been the worst game that I can remember him playing. So... Um, I'm not freaking out. Uh, I'm trying to keep the uh, freak-out meter very, very low. All right? It's barely registered a blip. Um, I do want to say Aaron Gordon, it was one of the better games that I can remember him playing. He goes for 18 points, 8 of 14 from the field. He's never going to be that guy, and they really put an emphasis on him trying to take advantage of Devin Booker, and I understand why they were doing it, and it works sometimes. But he's not a guy that you can just say, hey, go, go get me a bucket. He doesn't really have a lot of moves. He did try to overpower Booker, and like I said, it, at times it, it, it did work. Um, but I, on the whole, on the whole, I thought uh, AG played pretty well. You, know, you combine the defensive side of the floor to what he did offensively, and again, going back to what I was saying about Devin Booker, if you told me that if he, he was going to finish 21, would you sign up for that? If you told me Aaron Gordon was going to finish 8 for 14 from the field, and have three steals and finish with 18 and be the only guy that was a plus uh, of the starters, you know, of course we would have taken that. So we'll see if he can continue to um, to keep that going. And let's not freak out. It's game one. This is what the Nuggets do. I'm expecting a really, really tight uh, uh, game two in this series. And that will be, uh, at the time of recording, it's Tuesday, uh, that will be on Wednesday evening, 7.30 on TNT. Eventually, Jokic is going to get announced MVP, right? Keep on waiting for that. I don't know I don't know if this has ever taken this long or I'm just more interested in, in it than ever. And, um, and, and it's, I'm just sort of a little bit anxious. Uh, like Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part, right? All right. Uh, Nuggets go down 0-1. Not freaking out. Uh, game 2, Wednesday night on TNT. And you know that whatever happens in Game 2, we'll be talking about it right here on the Mile High Hoops podcast. Oh, hey, didn't realize you were listening. Well, let's make this quick. And don't touch that dial. We're Rocky Mountain Forest Products, and we're not aggressive. We're passionate. And we're not going to blast you with facts you don't need. But when you do, visit rmfp.com. Whether you're in need of fencing, decking, or siding information, it's all there. And best of all, it's free. No one likes a salesman, so we're not going to sell you. Whether you need the info or not, just remember rmfp.com. You do you, Colorado. You do you.